Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks so much for tuning in today. How would you like to create the love that you deserve and release the pain of past relationships? Dr. Gary Salyer is an expert in this field. After his first divorce, Dr. Salyer vowed that his next marriage would be different. And when his second marriage ended, for nearly the same reasons, almost a decade later, he was devastated. He felt like an utter and complete failure. He then dedicated himself to doing the research around finding and securing love. Dr. Salyer has made it his life's mission to help other people find true love, and his methodology is based on what is called the attachment theory. His system helps people rewrite the rules for love in their brains. Dr. Salyer is the author of Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You So Deserve. Actually, I added so there. Find the love you deserve. Good morning, Gary. Well, I liked your addition. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> well, it's so you deserve. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> it's the truth, but it's a nice addition. We like the touch. <laughs> Thank you. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. You know, I, I was just saying uh, when we got on the call that I, I love the book. I have it on Kindle, and I want to say that right up front because so many of our listeners are visually impaired. And for me, that's just a gift. I finally learned how to use the Kindle where you, you double tap and then you swipe two fingers down and it will read continuously. <laughs> that's such a gift when you're blind. You have no idea. I didn't know that's how it worked. I knew you could do it. Double tap two fingers down? That's great. Yes, you have the voiceover on and then you double tap and, uh, and then you swipe down with two fingers and it will read continuously. However, if you want to go from chapter to chapter, which is a whole other lesson for me, you have to go to navigation and then select each chapter and double tap on it. I, I could practically work for Apple at this point, I swear. I'm, I'm on the phone with that accessibility line all the time. They know me. Hello, Kristen. <laughs> well, it's, if they can make you feel worthy and deserving, like I talk about in the book, we're good for it. <laughs> That's absolutely true. So we have so much to cover. So tell us, why did you write this book? And, and, um, and what have you learned about finding and securing love yourself? Okay. Well, I wrote the book. It actually started, as you can imagine, way back in childhood. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family with lots of alcoholics, lots of divorces, and my mother was a borderline personality disorder. So, she, um, And I just noticed one day at 7 that everybody was miserable and nobody felt loved. <clears throat> and I remember vowing, I'm never going to get divorced. And, and I just wanted to understand, and I always asked the question, why can't people love each other? Well, when I go to college, and I was like the first person in seven generations to graduate high school, uh, my express goal is to make sure I never get a divorce. So I have two degrees. Uh, I, I have a psych major and a religion major. In my senior year in college, my favorite psychology professor says, why don't you come on in? We want to give you a test. So got a test. And a few days later, I come in and get the results, and he tells me about them. But as I'm walking out the door, just as I hit his door for his office, he says, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, you have a 90% chance of having a divorce. Oh, it's just, that's devastating in itself to hear that from a professor. Oh, grenades went off in my ear. I can only imagine and within two hours, I walked into the dean of instruction's office and said, I'm delaying graduation a year. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Um, explained it. And I went a fifth year getting another degree in marriage and family and said, I'm wiping this thing out. <laughs> so 12 years later, my first wife says, I want a divorce. 
And I'm thinking, I don't get it. I did everything I thought I could do. And so now I get, I just double down it and I'm, and I do like seven and a half years of therapy. I, and then I pronounced myself good to go. I looked at everything. And within four years, I hear the same words again. And I'm going, I don't get this. And then it came out as I'm dating, I began to realize after one very painful breakup where it was all on me that Kristen, I showed up as Mr. Wrong because I was scared of being divorced again. Mm-hmm. And, I looked at and I said, you know, therapy has done me a lot of good. All this study has done me a lot of good, but it hasn't changed. My core style of relating, of picking, or creating love. I'm managing my pain. I am not transforming my core self in a relationship. And uh, one day I just looked myself in the mirror and said, if they can't do it, then I will. Now, what were the things that you were doing? Were you the avoidance type? You have different types in the book. You know, there's the yes. attached type. There's the there's the unavailable. I mean, we can go through them. You know, I mean, you're you're better at listing them. Yes. There, well, there's basically four types. One is called disorganized. We don't want to go to that. I don't go into the book because it gets more into mental illness. Okay. Yeah, but the three types that people of normal middle-class craziness have, like you and me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I call most of us normal. We all come from crazy. dysfunctional families, by the way. Yes. yes to some degree or another. To some degree. There's the secure. And we know, by the way, just for, if you're out there listening, these love styles or attachment styles, they're up and running by the time you're one years old. You can find out how a baby, by separating them from their mother, what style of love they have, and it will track the rest of their life barring intervention. And we know that there's the secure. The secure uh, feel really comfortable depending and being depended on. Okay? So, and they grew up, and they were the ones that find and create lasting relationships about 85% of the time. Now, there's also the anxious baby that grows up to be kind of a drama king or queen. They're always afraid Love is going to go away. They got intermittent uh, responses. Love is here, not here. Here, not here. In some parts, mm-hmm. I'm going to fight to lock this thing down. And Separation anxiety. Ex- yeah, and you'll get things like, where were you last night? Do you still love me? Why didn't you mm-hmm. text me back in 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, and they frequently drive the other person away. Then there's the avoidant. And the avoidant didn't get a lot of, of response at all, so they... They're they're kind of the Marlboro man, the Marlboro mate. Uh, they are re- their worst fear is being depended on, or depending on somebody. So they grew up to be emotionally dismissive or Mr. Ms. Uh, emotionally unavailable or no commitment. Now I've been when I at first, you know, if you look at me at when I was seventeen, anxious. Why does love go away? No one's going to like me. Can't ever do enough to be good. But after two divorces, some side of me showed up very avoidant, uh, scared to death, man of high ideals. And another part of me going, I don't care what those ideals are. Your love is going to get is going to go away on you. And so I did the avoidance. Scared of rejection. Yes, exactly. I've been on and look, you know, for writing a book. If for one's love life, that's not good. For, for writing a book and learning lessons, that's a great mm-hmm. because I've been mm-hmm. I've been all three now. Uh, and it was, um, and in the last 12 years, working with clients, helping them, doing more research, recovering all that in myself, uh, you know, the book is about the way back. So that uh, if you're anxious or avoidant, most people think 
it's like they got a tag over their head that says I'm screwed. Uh, I will never forget uh, about a month after the book came out, I was speaking at an event, and a friend who had read it, we were talking in the back of the room, and she waved one of her friends over that I had never met. And a woman came over, and she goes, oh, this is Dr. Gary. And, I, and she goes, he's written a book on love. And she gets white as a, a sheet, Kristen, steps back, and she goes, oh, no, not another book to tell me how wrong I am. And this was a client? Uh, no, this was uh, somebody that at an event uh, that uh, a friend told her that, oh, I see. That I had written this book on love. And the right. first response was like phobic. Right, right. right. Uh, another book Negative. that's all wrong. And that's not what the book does. It tells you at some point in time, whatever you were anxious, secure, or what your brain took the best deal possible, and mm-hmm. it gives you a roadmap for how to get to be secure again. So you're not managing pain. It shows you what you need to transform, give you real hope, tell you you're worthy to have all that. And the book is really a roadmap to recover the secure love style that you were. I love the way you talk about love in, in every department in the book, you know, that it's uh, you have that link, right, to connect. Uh, what's the name of the link where you, if you want to connect to make it a better world, to love each other? Oh, yeah. I saw that. Uh, if you go to it, I know it's on www.garysalyer.com forward slash love manual, and that's where some of the free gifts are, and there's mm-hmm. something there. I forgot what the other link was. Oh, gosh, it's in the book. <laughs> Let me look at it, okay? Uh, I'm sure uh, it's just sort of joining a community about love, and I just love the premise of the way you spoke about love and just the little things that we do for each other each day, whether it's a love in a friendship, love in a family relationship, love in a, in a, a romantic relationship, you know, that the world would be such a better place and how it can it can really transform the world and and reverberate for decades and generations later. Exactly. It's GarySalyer.com mm-hmm. forward slash love movement. Love movement. Love movement. That's what it is, yeah. Yes, yes. And it's that, very beautiful. That, yes. Well, it's going to take... The a, butterfly effect. Exactly. Well, we've got an epidemic of, of unworthiness out there, mm-hmm. Kristen. Uh, all the ghosting. It's not just the divorce rate. It's the ghosting. It's the way people don't show up. There's the people getting broken up for two or three months. Uh, because they're afraid of missing out, and the other person says, what am I, chopped liver? And there's a ton of things. Well, on the Internet, the Internet is like a grocery store for some people. They just think, oh, my goodness, well, if this doesn't work, I'm going on to the next, and there's plenty of people out there. And and uh, and yet I have so many friends who are divorced and looking, and they're sad because it takes a lot of work. It's not like a candy store. You can't just find the perfect mate overnight. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time. It does. And, and then there's the shenanigans that happens, and there are some shenanigans. Online, that gives you more opportunities, but there's also the other things. Like there was a study done on, on Tinder by a, a British research group, and they found out that 42% of men on Tinder are actually married. So, you know, what I tell on stage is, so it's 42%. True. Yeah, so it's true. You can find uh, a husband on Tinder, just somebody else's. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so scary. You know, and you navigate that. Now, I've, you know, I've met some people that have found people online, and then there's this other thing. Offline is still, you know, Mother Nature's preferred way, I'd say. Uh, online gives you more opportunities, but, you know, for an avoidant who is just wants a little hit of attention, mm-hmm. it's, a pair, it's, like, it's like an answer from prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get a little hit, and then and then they can 
They the serial daters. Or the texters these days. You know. Oh, yes, 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 yes. The people who will not communicate. It's like, the, you know, they were born in the millennial, uh, you know, part of that generation or something, you know. Yes, and what I tell people is, you know, especially men who tend to text when I deal with my wife, is women don't want to be swiped off their feet. They want to be swept off their feet. Right. <laughs> That's funny. You know, they don't. So stop texting and meet the woman. Exactly. Start communicating. My goodness, you know, you're supposed to go for lunch with someone and, you, and you've had no conversation. You know, I've heard all the stories. And, of course, I was writing a book, 100 Blind Dates, so trust me, I was an expert in this area. I, wow. I finally found someone great, so... So, so what, what would you would what kind of advice do you give couples who have been, or let's say singles first, who have been rejected, you know, repeatedly, and you know, is it take a look at themselves, you know, um, it, it, what kind of advice do you give people who are just kind of downtrodden with love now, you know, they're okay. discouraged and given up? Okay, the first off, the major message that I that I want everybody here, it's in the book, it's what I do, is that everybody deserves love. This is a birthright. You were born with this right, okay? And, yes, there's an epidemic of unworthiness out there, but you were born with a right. And, in fact, you know, if whether no matter what your, your, your pattern is, the thing that keeps happening over and over again, like Groundhog Day, because that's how love problems work, they, the people say, why do I keep picking the same Mr. Wrong, right? Early on, you were getting a set of what I call rights or permission slips. And if you uh, can just restore a few of those missing rights, like a, a right to have your needs met or a right to separate and belong or maybe a right to create your own experience so you don't always get lost in a relationship, it's just a matter of restoring what I call these four these rights that are based on four core feelings. The best thing I can tell um, singles is singles. You know, you out there and you have these search, you know, these compatibility engines called websites, dating sites, and you pick all these little things off. But they're not predictors. All these compatibility traits we now know from research, research does not predict. Sometimes not even chemistry. <laughs> uh, but love is for feelings from the very beginning, from the time a child is one years old. They are using four core feelings to know when they're loved and how to love someone else. And that's welcome with joy, worthy and nourished, cherished and protected, and empowered with choice. It's that simple. The algorithm for love is that simple. And you just have to, if you're on a date and you're wondering, is this Mr. Right, Mr. Wrong, after four or five dates, do I feel welcome with joy? Do I feel worthy and nourished to reach out and have my needs met? Do I feel cherished and protected, and do I feel empowered with choice, and do I have a voice in this relationship? And if you're not feeling that, they're not Mr. and Ms. Wrong. Uh, now, a few months ago, oh, no, it's about a year ago now, client was first session comes to me, and she says, uh, and by the way, she had an avoidant love style. Uh, mm -hmm. she says, I found Mr. Jackpot. I'm always interested in Mr. Jackpot. Mr. Jackpot is 6'2", and he's very good looking, and he's a doctor, right? <laughs> and he 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 loves Pilates. Can you believe that, Doctor Gary? He loves Pilates, right? But about a month later, five weeks later, she comes in and she goes, "I'm so honked at him." 
She goes, she goes, yeah, he likes Pilates. He likes checking out women at Pilates. <laughs> Not much serious. <laughs> Not much worthy. Not much cherry string protected. Now, when we this was her list that she went out with. She had yeah. a, she had a fixed list in her head of an idea, a vision of what she wanted, but it wasn't really a heart connection. That's right. Not using them. So we worked. She didn't have much of a right to feel worthy and not much of a right to feel cherished and protected. That means she gets to be a me and an empowering, protective we when someone's got your back. Now, uh, then we, we work on restoring these rights where she feels worthy to her core. So did that take going back in her history of what made her feel unworthy? Did she have to go through a lifetime of therapy for it, or was it well, simple identifications? Like- it's, it is, it is, it's, I, what I do is not like, is not therapy. But we do go back, and it's, it's more effective, to be honest. And we do work with the little one. When was the first time, or, right, we remember that. Came, and we find out what flavor of safety, uh, her brain was working with when right. they took worthy off. Like, for instance, if every time, you know, you reach out, uh, to have your needs met, and and you get to oh oh honey don't be so selfish it's not about you you know like when in the book of course you're not going to reach out no of course you're not going to have men that want to gift you because that was taken off you know for me I had a borderline mother I had what I didn't realize is as much as I worked on relationships uh, in college you know early on my brain I had a violent mother you didn't want to be a part of a we. That we, you know, the we meant getting thrown against walls. So distance felt right. It felt good. And I didn't realize how much distance I created in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Distance, separation felt Mm -hmm. good. And and she said I felt lonely, and I didn't understand it. But when uh, I had to get myself safe with belonging again. And when I could belong, I could create and be a part of a we. And that works a lot better for lasting when you can create a week. <laughs> of course, of course. But at one point in time, that was not the best deal. My brain did exactly what it should. It, it created an anxious, I want to get a uh, love style that loves separation because at one point in time that kept me on the planet. So if you're listening out there, if you see any pattern, any missing right that, is, you know, that we're talking about, you can't reach out for your needs, or you don't have a voice, or you can't really create a we and belong, I guarantee you, nothing is wrong with your brain. Your brain one time took the best deal. We just need to upgrade the security protocol. Do you do NLP or anything like that? Yes, it is. I do a very, you know, when I hear NLP, I want to cringe because there's so much crap out there. (laughs) Right. Well, let's tell people what we're talking about first. Yeah, NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, the type I, I practice, it took four years to learn. It's very deep. It's, it's, we work deeply with rapport. It's not about just anchoring and manipulation. There's all, if you go out there, the first things that will come up are things, how, how, to, how to manipulate somebody's mind. And NLP, is, that's just sales stuff. It doesn't do that really, you know. Um, uh, but what I work with, it's, it's, it's how do you get the brain to make be- uh, the neurons to make better friends? So you have a state that mm-hmm. fires off in a better way, and then a better way, and a better way until you're more loving. That's how I use. And I'm listening in. I do something called re-imprinting. There's other techniques. I also work with family soul. Uh, you know, where you know sometimes families 
have rules that are passed down like no one can have love in this family, <laughs> right? Or right. All those. And when I work with that whole thing, there's I've also trained with some of the top you know, marriage people like Terry Reel, the Gottmans. Um, it is a very uh, big, wide-ranging toolbox, and I just intuitively uh, can feel what a couple or a single needs, and we go with whatever that, that is. There's no cookie cutter in my, my work, but it is about helping the brain to feel safe with love. That's why I call it. Do you do that through affirmations, a lot of repetitive? I don't, I, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't use affirmations per se. I do give my, uh, my clients, and all my clients know this, <laughs> uh, perceptual filters at the end of almost every session. You know, mm-hmm. my sessions are two hours, an hour and a half, hour and 45, and they're every other week because the brain needs time to integrate. It's not just talking, not just labeling, not getting a, a story. It's about getting your brain to fire off differently, as one client said. You know, what I love about the work is in four or five days later, you're just doing things differently without thinking about it. That's my definition of change. But well, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Not like Woody yeah. Allen in, in a lifetime of therapy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I, I I mean I you know, when I looked at over a decade therapy and I and it had done me a lot of good, I said managing pain is not the goal. You know, that you know, that's still the same groundhog day. But when I learned that I could feel I could feel cherished not and protected and I could create a we when I when I when I learned I could have a voice, I could feel empowered. That changed everything for me, and it does for my clients. These four feelings are also the key to healing uh, your love talk. If you're the sort of person that always takes attracted to takers, and you're always giving and giving and giving and feeling resentful, I guarantee you the feeling of not enough or worthy is underneath that uh, unworthy, right? If we can get your brain at a very deep level in your body and soul, <laughs> you know, to feel worthy again, and it's safe to feel worthy, you'll automatically start reaching out. You'll automatically start picking better. It's because worthy people pick worthy people. That's so how do you, how does a couple know when their relationship is in trouble, and how do you know when you when you have a terrific relationship? Okay. Other That's than feeling joy inside and that there's harmony, and what do you tell couples? I use the same one. When I, the, in the book, I talk about your brain's original GPS for love. Uh, a one-year-old child is not running story. They're not doing skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not doing limiting beliefs. They're not doing any of that. The only thing running for a one-year-old child, as any parent has known, is feelings, four core feelings. And what I teach my couples is to use these four feelings as their check-in. Preferably every week. You know, how well are we doing welcoming each other with joy? Oh, you know, at the end of every week, one to ten, honey, how did I do as a, as a husband or a wife this week? Did you, one to ten, did you feel welcome with joy? One to ten, did you feel worthy and nourished? One to ten, did you feel cherished and protected in a we? One to ten, did you feel empowered with joy? Anything less than a nine? Then, then you can ask, so so what? how can I do better? If you can keep those four key feelings up and running and, and on a continual basis check in, I guarantee that as long as you've got a little alignment of values, that relationship is going to have a lot going for it. It's going. It really is important to check in with each other, too. And when you talk about empowerment and choice, 
um, you're really saying that you you can be your own self, right? Exactly. You can, and you can come and go and do as you please within the relationship, but still have your independence and have your own political views, have your own your own identity. Exactly. Now, the right to separate and belong, which is what you're talking right there, is you get to be a me, mm-hmm. and you get to be a we. Comes mm-hmm. on board as a toddler. The toddler goes over and realizes, Mom's over there, Dad's over there, I'm over here. Oh, I'm a me. If you notice, all little toddlers, they want to go over and separate and play by, the, by themselves, but they want to make sure the parent is in the room. They want to have a we. They want to be seen. <laughs> and... In a good relationship, you get to go out and explore your life. You get to be a me. You get to be the standard of your own experience. But you also get to come back to the home port of somebody else's life where you are sheltered in you know, their arms and their heart, and you get to be part of a, an empowering we, not a, not a we that, that is suffocating. You know, but it's, so you get to be a me and a we. And it's this right that messes with most couples because what I've learned is probably 80% of the time, this right, a couple either has usually too much right to separate, so they can't create a we, and where there's no we, there's a war, or somebody got the template, it had to be a suffocating we. And then the other was like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm in a dungeon, right? That right is the key for couples. And if you're tracking the we, is there a we, how is the we doing in these four feelings? That's the key, Uh and what I tell couples, if one of these is missing, you probably think something's off. Maybe I should read a book. Two, and you're thinking, what's my best friend's therapist number, right? Uh, then if three or four are missing, you're in a toxic relationship. It either has to get fixed or it's time to get out. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love the fact that you, you, know, you talk about how you did the work, you know, the transformational work to help other people because... You know, a coach of mine once said you know, when we were creating Second Vision, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and you get the same results, it's time to do something different, you know. And I guess that that was your life's mission, you know, from school to finding out that you were still making mistakes even though you had dedicated your life to it. So you tried something different, you know. Oh, I needed to. I went, you know, when the when I looked in the mirror that one day, and before that, before this one very painful breakup after the second divorce, I could really, I had a long list of how I could pin the blame on both of those ex-wives. <laughs> we always do, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's them, right? Uh, and when I woke up and I was shaving to go to work, uh, I just looked myself in the mirror and I said, there's only one person to blame for this one, son, and that's you. Uh, and that was really a turning point because blame, blame doesn't do any good. You know, some part of all of us are creating patterns because those patterns feel safe from it. Usually an early childhood, sometimes later relationships can do it. Uh, and until, and the brain, all the brain is doing is trying to keep you safe, but it's using, it's like having a secure, a security memo that has no expiration date. Um, it's what I compare it to is, those patterns, the last of them, remember the Japanese soldiers that were out on little tiny islands still firing at people? The last of them fired at somebody in 1975 thinking World War II was still on. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and the Japanese would would bring in an old admiral dressed in attire from World War II and, and tell him, come on out, war's over, and with much honor. 
uh, honor them, and retire them. That's what we have to do. Every missing right, every painful pattern is an old security pattern that needs to be, you know, redesigned and retired and given a new one. But at one point in time, if we're afraid to have a voice, at one point in time it wasn't good to do so. With my mother, if you had a voice, you were against a wall. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, growing up in that environment. You know, and as Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's been on my show, says, you know, so many of our patterns are formed, like you said, between age one and age five. Our subconscious just gets to know those patterns. That's all they know. Exactly. And, you know, this is something that's really, really true, too, is our, our attachment brain, the part that does love, is a kind of a perpetual five-year-old. And this is one of the reasons why uh, I'm a big proponent when I'm working with couples when they're describing uh, the five-year-old soundbite. <laughs> Is what mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Once I was working with a couple, and they had done more transformational gurus than, than you could shake a stick at, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and she was very intelligent. And she comes in one day, and she says, you know, I just want to talk about this vibrational mismatch, and there's this, there's this kind of thing going on in your vortex and in my vortex, and what, there's this kind of, you know, dystonic, you know, vibrational thing. Uh, and after two minutes, I really don't know what it is that she's talking about. But she's talking all this transformational language at an abstract level. And he's got this lost puppy look of a husband like, oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. What, do I, what am I supposed to do? I just want to make her happy. And I finally say to her, I said, can you say that the way a five-year-old would? And she stops and she gets tears in her eyes. She goes, I just want a playmate. I want someone who will play with me. And oh, okay, we can work with that. You know, uh, vibrations and vortexes are nice, but I want a playmate. Now we know what she needs. And it was like he just breathed like, okay, now I know what I can do, right? <laughs> After a couple of hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yes. And so, and what she, and her missing feeling was, uh, Way more right to separate as a child. <clears throat> in a dysfunctional family, I had to, I had to do my own thing. Never felt cherished, and she wanted a wee, and she wanted a wee where, come play with me, which was never what happened as a child. Just go play by yourself. So it wasn't an interesting. Accident. It wasn't an accident, uh, and she was using the language to float above her feelings, so she didn't have to feel the pain. That's the key. <laughs> so when and her partner, her, was he an attachment type or a uh, what category did he fall into? He was more avoidant. She was more anxious. Uh, first session. That's usually the way it goes because if you have two avoidants, they'll never get together. Yes, exactly. It's the law of attraction from hell. Yes, yeah. It, it, it is. Uh, and that cause. A lot of times, anxious have been through maybe smothering situations, and that first did a distance distance from an avoidance feels like salvation, but it mm-hmm. eventually becomes the pebble in the shoe you can't stand. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yes. And uh, But when we swapped out for him, you know, it was like, hey, uh, if I'm part of a we, uh, I'll get swapped out. You know, uh, I, I will be disempowered. Uh, I can't be me in a we. And hers was, I'm dying to be a we. So there they are. She married someone that gave her, the only experience she had the rights for, someone who would separate and let her be by herself. And he, having had a very enmeshed 
a relationship with Martin, married someone that had, could only give him what he had rights for, and that is someone who wanted to really, really bond, bond uh, in an anxious way. Once we gave him a feeling of, it's, of cherished, that he, that he could be empowered in a way, and that she uh, could feel, you know, uh, really cherished and had a right to without all the anxiety, their systems calmed down. They created a wonderful we, and uh, they've been very happily uh, married. I, I haven't worked with them for a couple of years. and uh, That's a good sign. I mean, oh, when, yeah. you, when you don't go back to a doctor, there's nothing wrong. Yes, and, and, every, and I've gotten an email from them saying, we're doing great. Uh, it's because when you change the core feelings, that's when the marriage and the patterns change. If you just that's when the magic happens. Yeah, if you just try to change the skills like a lot of therapists do, we're going to give you some communication skills here. Mm-hmm. Good luck, because as long as those feelings of I'm not worthy or I can't be cherished or I, I I'm not I'm disempowered run, they will control the fate of that relationship, or they won't do the. Well, according to some of your testimonials, I, I read that you know therapists are even saying that uh, your system may change the way therapy is done. So it's fantastic. So you know we, we're winding down on time. I know you and I could talk on forever uh, because it's such a uh, such an interesting subject. But I want you to give our listeners your website again and the name of the book and tell them if you do workshops and you're located in the Bay Area, right? Uh, yeah, I'm in the Bay Area. Uh, most of my clients are across the world because of the book now or across the country uh, oh it's fantastic so you just do therapy on the phone and i just do yeah i do my work like i do i call myself a transformation relationship mentor i do it most of it sometimes phone but mostly on zoom to be honest with you you know that's where i do it i have a call oh, on zoom of course same thing yeah. i mean on skype but i mean you don't have to be living in the same city oh no no yeah uh, yeah uh, oh, the world has changed my, 80 percent of my clients you know don't come in to an office fabulous yeah. Well, I can see why, you know. Um, we're yeah. all looking for love, you know, like the butterfly effect, like you said, that, you know, one one act of love can change, can have a domino effect. It can. If you want to reach me, I'm at, uh, I'm at Uh The book is on Amazon. The book is called Safe to Love Again, uh, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. If you go to my website, that you can... Find a place there to order the book and direct you to Amazon. But there's also a free gift there on the front page, something called Love Notes. It's a series of just short two- to four-minute videos uh, that cover many of the things in the book um, and some others like John Gray and Ariel Ford and Paul Carey Brunson and Sark. I've got some little clips in there. And I can honestly say one couple in their 50s came across them. They were engaged, both of them twice divorced, nearly ready to break up. And they Facebooked me, uh, messaged me, and told me that those saved their engagement, and now they're married. So that's a practical good thing. Beautiful. You know, it's just Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I was surprised. It's like, uh, that's why we do the work, right? But that's why you've written the book and, and why, you know, uh, why it's so important that people read it. And once again, I'm reading it on, I just finished it on Kindle and loved it for those who are uh, blind or visually impaired. And for everyone else, it's on Amazon. My guest today has been Dr. Gary Salyer, and I hope that you will, uh, you know, tell those that you love, check in with them and embrace them, and have a blessed day. I'm Kristen McDonald for Second Vision. Thanks for listening.